Ladies and gentlemen, fellow human beings and anyone in between, welcome. You have pressed the buttons that allow you to access the fantastic and fantabulous powerhouse that is the man, Charlie and Candidate, here on this fine day, wherever you are residing. My name's G-Man, and I'm sitting across from the ever-powerful and ever-excellent P-Boss. Welcome to the program, my bro. How are you going? I am great, my friend. How are you? Knew it. Yeah, good, dude. Good man, good. I'm pumped for this show. It's been we've had a little it's been bit a of while hiatus, <laughs> hasn't it, Just? And um, ah, that's the thing, man. You know, good things take time to steep. It's like a, it's like a good cup of Earl Grey tea. Oh, wonderful! We've been waiting and waiting, and I know everyone out there has been waiting upon multiple requests. Could you guys please get your proverbial stuff together? Yeah, yeah, and get another program for us to listen to. Extract the digit, please, gentlemen. <laughs> please, about time, I say. Hmm. So it is lovely to be here. And uh, looking at your dear face, my bro. And today we're going to be um, endeavouring to continue on our saga that we were endeavouring to do many, many months ago. And it's the anatomy of. Oh, series. I'm so I'm ha- I'm happy about that. We kind of got a little distracted, didn't we? I think mm. we said that this was going to be a big, expansive series. Yes, much like the Choose well. Your Own Adventures back in the day. Um, and I'm hoping this will be akin to my favourite Choose Your Own Adventure, which was the Abominable Snowman, my friend. Oh, what a man. He's very abominable, isn't it? I actually probably need to Google that word. I don't even know what abominable is. I don't think it's good. But, um, Whenever people no, I don't think it's good. traditionally have called me that, they're not looking happy as they cast it. <laughs> yeah, as they yell at you out of the car window down the highway. Totally. No, I know. I've been there, you abominable man. You Thank you. Love it. Um, and today what we're going to do is continue, as I said, with the saga of Anatomy Ofs. And today, our favourite, well, I say this every time we get to it, our favourite genre. It's not in fact true. What we're going to be doing is pulling apart an action film. What I find one of the most easily accessible oh. ways to have cinema is with a few explosions and some techniques that we're going to discuss very, very shortly. The anatomy of action, yes. my friend. Yes, yes. What makes an action film? What are the subgenres? What are some tropes that we come to know and love and maybe even loathe? Um, and what we discovered in some of the other anatomy ofs when we're going through with sci-fi and horror is discovering the tropes. And you find that um, if they're there, you're pleased. And if they're not, you're not pleased. So it's it's really quite... Quite interesting sort of balance in the the tropehood, isn't it? It's super hard because if they're there and they're done well would be my caveat. If they're there and they're done well, I'm happy. If they're there and uh, they're done badly, I think that's abominable. Oh, I see, <laughs> I see what, what I did there. And that's good. Yeah. You've been still having a podcast for about a year still now. Still don't know what it means. Still don't know yeah. what it means. I know. I know, man. Well, look, let's leap right in because uh, I fear that um, – I don't fear at all. I have a feeling that this may um, become long-winded if we're not too careful. Very good. And I won't let that happen. Let's keep it pointed. I'm not let's making any wind jokes. Just to uh, – Yet. Uh, yet. Mm. Yeah, I know. We'll get there. Well, look, what's really important here is, to, I suppose, to start off and, um, you know, get the ball rolling is Please. to sort of understand what an action film really is and what it entails. And yes. um, we've been looking at that through the lens of some sort of uh, of the subgenres, I think would be a really good entry point for understanding um, how action operates because action... It means many things to different people, and it means something to me, and it means something to you, our dear listeners, and P-Boss, of course. Does having an action sequence in a film make it an action film? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, there's a bit of action in The English Patient, right? Yeah, it's, Is there? I, I don't, I don't think I've seen action. it. <laughs> oh, dude, there's a 
whole plane scene is kind of cool. It's a crash and, you know, he needs to be helped. He's a patient. He was in war, man. Ah, Anyways, okay. so there's a bit of that. But it's not an action film, but it definitely has action in it. So let's try and work out what this actually is. Um, hopefully we can steer this bus to some sort of sense. Otherwise, being lost at sea is actually also quite acceptable. So let's seemingly try to penetrate with our um, our 50 cal ideas here yes. through the Kevlar of what anatomy of action might be. Yes, bro, bro. So... Would you mind if I talked a little bit about what I think some subgenres are and a few examples of that? Oh, I'd be angry if you didn't. Excellent. So I'm not going to because oh. I'd love to see you anchor. Oh. Just get on. Oh. I didn't want to spark you and trigger you so quickly there. It's only early. Who am I, man? Who am I today? My God. All right. So we've sort of thought about this uh, mildly and briefly and had a couple of conversations about it over the course of the years. And so a really great couple of subgenres that I'm going to leap straight into are and you can refute any of these or, you know, I know you're not going to refute them, but maybe expand upon them as we go. Mm. Um, a buddy action film, right? When I mean a buddy action film, it's like a buddy cop film. This is where there are partners, whether they're into the idea of being partners or not being into the idea of partners, whether they're forced to be together, etc. So we've got the idea behind that would be Lethal Weapon, uh, Bad Boys, um, and all the subsequent sequels of those two, 48 Hours and Rush Hour. These are definitive ideas of what a buddy action sort of is. What do you say? My friend, those are fine exemplar. And it's all about the animosity being resolved, isn't it? So if they're not unhappy to be thrown together at the start of the movie, there's always a section where there's a bit of conflict. So I love that. There's a bit of a parallel in terms of trying to resolve conflict in the overall story arc. There's often a bit of intrapersonal conflict that's got to be resolved too. And and I will I will always hold up 48 Hours as possibly one of the best examples of, yeah. of uh, protagonists resolving conflict. Well, that's two unlikely companions too, isn't it? Eddie Murphy being, um, being the convict that's uh, got the only information that Nick Nolte needs. And so they get paired up and off they go on this romp. Fantastic. Nolte is just at his crotchety, angry, f finest, you know? Yeah, he is, man. And I love how they did a sequel and they sort of like, this was an era of twos and threes and blah, 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 and they called 48 Hours. The sequel is another 48 Hours. It's great. <laughs> you could have had, a, you know, the third and it's like yet another or, so, you know, on it goes. It could have just kept on going. Yeah, here Paul we go Berg again. Another. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and then let's move on now to um, an espionage sort of genre Ooh. of action. Now, these espionage, and I've just seen um, rewatch the Bourne Identity, the first in Robert Ludenham's screen adaptations with Matt Damon. A little bit dated in some of the aspects, but boy, you've got that international intrigue, man. The dude's got amnesia, and he's got a sick set of killing skills, and he doesn't oh know anything about it. And it's, it's just rad. So... You know, that idea of Bond as well, um, where there's always a pretty exotic or romantic European location in which all the endeavours are happening. That's um, That, to me, is a genre unto itself as well. I mean, it does come under the banner of action, but it's got its own little, it's got its own little pieces, doesn't it, the old espionage? I think so. It's a classic sliver in the pie, and I'm glad you checked out Bourne because I kind of hold that movie up as, particularly the first one, as... One of the finest examples of the genre or the subgenre mm. just ticks the boxes on all levels. In that fight scene, my friend, where they incorporate a pen as a weapon, is incredible. Oh. Yeah, you know, Matt Damon really, really had to get to the game to uh, inhabit that role, and and inhabit it he did. 
And you got a bunch of sequels out of that too because he was so darn good at it. Mm. Yeah, that's a great set of films, isn't it? And um, look, we'll just leap straight ahead here too. Sci-fi action, of course. And we've just had the Mando episode where it's, it's action, 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 action here, man. Absolutely. And sci-fi is easy, I think. And you know when we're, um, we're going to leap into the trope section a little bit. Um, and I think that's where like a big grand Cameron action as in Avatar sort of really splits the room in so many ways because so many people said, oh, it's just Pocahontas or Fern Gully or what, you or know. dances with wolves, yeah. Exactly, and it kind of is, and this is cliched as hell, but there's all these tropes in it that are so cliched and expected, and I think that's what people didn't like. It was a bit saturated in it. But if some of those were missing, I think, man, that'd be even more disappointing for you. I suppose it didn't elevate or surprise. That's probably the gig, you know. It was sort of, well, okay, ticking boxes as we go, blah, blah, blah. And so that's, I suppose, why people didn't really enjoy it. What's your view on that one, to be honest, man? You're going to laugh at me, but I only saw it recently, man. I was one of the few people walking around on this planet who had not seen Avatar. Yeah. Holy do I did not feel compelled to watch it. I didn't feel drawn or called for those reasons that you mentioned. Mm, mm. I felt like I'd kind of seen it. But it was interesting for me to be pleasantly surprised. I mean, again, a trope done well is more like a comment on a universal archetype, which is, you know, such an such an important part of the the mythos of storytelling for mine. So yeah. although I went in pretty neggy uh, you know, by halfway through it, I was like going, you know what? I'm actually, I'm on board. One yes. thing that old Jimmy Cameron does well is he creates characters that in the very least I care about. So yeah, exactly. You've heard me say and that ad nauseum. So for me, that's a, that's a reasonable tick. I look yeah. with interest though, my bro, bro, to where these subsequent 19 sequels go. That's going uh, to yes. be the point of interest for me because yeah. it's like, all right, dude, you did... You ripped the Band-Aid off. You, you kind of were pretty derivative. Now what do you do? Yeah. And whether Pandora as a fictional space is where we want to be for another 10 films. Is it big enough? Is it, yeah, expansive exactly. enough? Exactly. I mean, it's a glorious sort of spectacle, that film, and that's what I took it for. It's electronic candy, really, you know, and the pacing that Cameron has is always pretty tick-boxy, and I approve. I just had a thought to myself. I mean... Can you have sci-fi without action? It's almost one of those genres where I think it's virtually impossible to have sci-fi without action. And I'm sorry to mm. throw you on the spot here, but no, no. I can't really think of many sci-fi movies that don't contain action. Some people might propose the original Dune, but... Yeah, there's action enough in there. 2001, not a lot of action in that. That's probably true. You know, Solaris. I reckon there's a few. Yeah. Moon, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's fair to say the vast majority, though, man, kind of, you know, have to have a reasonable amount oh, of action in them? Of course, yeah. Like, if something goes wrong, everyone's got to get to their battle stations and sort that out. Yeah, it's right? bad, so right? It's, yeah. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about it being, they're basically submarine films, all of them, aren't we? So, yeah, you get, you know, hull integrity problems and you got a problem, man. That's how they go. I thought of you the other day because there's that dude in Interstellar. So when they're first in the spaceship heading out and he kind of starts wigging out a little bit because he just literally says... This gets to me, Cooper. This. This. Millimetres of aluminum, that's it, and then nothing. Out there for millions of miles won't kill us in seconds. Yeah. And I remember you sort of alluding to that a while ago, just going, look, that's, that's the inbuilt risk and the gravitas just... 
that's always a little white noise that's in the right. background, man. Even when everything's hunky dory, it's like, dude, that's space. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's the vacuum of space, yeah. and it will kill you. Won't go well. I've seen it, man. Yeah. I've seen it. Um, if we're going to move along and check out a couple of more subgenres, like how I really reducted those into one subgenre. I love it, dude. We've got. I'm going to. There's a couple of you know um, slashes in this one. It's, we've Ooh. got historical slash fantasy slash sword and sandal. Love it. So. This encompasses films like Conan, Braveheart, The Last Samurai, Gladiator, um, the biggest film ever made until recently, of course, Ben-Hur and The 300. Mm. These celebrate action and they're distinctly in a historical realm, sometimes mildly fantasy mild um, and other times directly historical, um, if not completely wildly inaccurate. Like Braveheart, I took as gospel. I'm like, well, wow, that's a hell of a tale. And then you read up on it. I'm like, whoa, they took a lot of liberties in this film. Yeah. Mel Gibson, we're looking at you. Yeah. Half of this you stuff maniac. doesn't really happen. It's insane. Yeah, go back to yelling at cops. <laughs> You're drunk, buddy. Although I did love that film. It was very beautiful. But um, yeah, so there's a little subgenre there. You know how we had that discussion of trying to bring movies in that aren't just 50 years old. What? <laughs> What's the Keanu Reeves one? Is it 37 Ronan? 47. Yeah, they need another 10, right? Yeah, exactly. 37 turned up and then they had to wait for the other 10. But I, I'd throw uh, something like 47 Ronan yeah. in there as a, as a pretty yeah. cool semi-recent exemplar as well, bro. That's pretty rad, that show, isn't it? I watched it not too long ago. Man, Loved and, it. Um, like, they've got perfect blend of complete fantasy and historical accuracy, and I kind of love that. And a fair know? few swords. There's a few, just a few. A really, really favourite genre of mine I would consider being a car chase. Oh, God, yeah. Genre of film. I mean, come on. I mean, a lot of car chases happen in Bond and most of the films we're talking about. There's always a car chase, but there are some that are geared huh, directly <laughs> towards the car. Let's see. You see. So that would be Ronan... And the French Connection, yes. Bullet, Steve McQueen, oh, Bullet, and um, you know, most notably recently, I suppose, if we're going to be doing something at least in the two thousands, is almost the yearly, the yearly instalment of the Fast and Furious franchise. Confession time. Go on. Haven't seen one. Don't need to. Don't need to. Because I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> they drive their cars really fast. Yes. And they win. Oh, great! And then it's over. And then they get the girl and all that oh, sort of spoilers, stuff. Spoilers, dude. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. Did you just spoil 10 movies? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I did. How quickly was that? You see? No, you've actually, how, you've saved me a lot Hollow of time. they really are. Yeah, yeah. I really did. Yeah, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and then classic sort of adventure. You know, we've got Pirates of the Caribbean, oh. Indiana Jones, Romance oh. in the Stone, and probably the Marvel films, I reckon, into that mm, Saturday oh. matinee where you take the family down and you go, my God, he's swinging on a rope. Yes. It's very fun. These things are my, you know, gah, I can watch these things all the time, man. There's usually a little bit of intrigue in there. There might be a little bit of supernatural or something happening and, you know, just enough to sink your teeth into. It's very fun. I don't think a lot of people precisely remember exactly how good Romancing the Stone was. That was a good movie. It got written off at the time as like, oh, you're just trying to do your own Indiana Jones. But it's some intense car chase scenes in that. And you've got uh, Michael Douglas kind of bringing it, man. He brought it, man. He brought it. And you've got obviously all of your Pirates of the Caribbean in uh, that canister as well. Is that Are they in there as well? Yeah, they're in there. Oh, well and truly, yeah. That was um, that was the first one I even mentioned today. Yes. I reeled them off so quickly. It was like a, an M4 in the dark. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm going to be doing a lot of references like that, if you don't mind, today as well. It's just the way we're going to go. 
if you think I'm not noticing it, you're you're wrong. I know what you're doing. Yeah, I see your eyes light up every now and then. Um, this man, I think, is probably your favorite. I'm just going to introduce it and let you say something a little bit about oh. it. But it's the Hong Kong slash martial arts genre in itself. Oh, my dude. And so, my God, I'm just going to throw out a couple of names straight at your face right now. So we've got The Killer, mm. uh, Drunken Master, Ip Man, uh, Police Story, Once Upon a Time in China, Hard Boiled, oh, to name yeah. just a few. Now, your impression of this is um, you elevate it, don't you? It's quite high on the list. Yes, my bro. I'm a confessed tragic for Hong Kong noir. Mm. And we are looking at a particular time period. There was just a golden age. As the Shaw brothers had dominated through the through the 70s, we started to get such names as, uh, what's his name? Jakey, Jakey Chen. Jakey Chan, I don't know if you've heard of that guy. <laughs> Shaky Chan. Yes. He's much older now. My yeah. gosh. Well, when you've fallen from as many bamboo things as that man has, you start to Oh, shake. he's broken every bone. Oh, my yeah. God. You know, so yeah. you've got actors such as, obviously, Jackie Chan, Samo Hong, Yin Biao. You've got just a golden period in the 80s. A couple of okay ones shot here as well. But, dude, this was an era where it was just the Wild West. They would turn up, shoot an action scene with shoot being the operative word, stuff blowing up right, left and centre and literally bail before the authorities arrived. So yes, don't yes. worry about your work permits. Don't worry about any of that sort of stuff. <laughs> and the incredible thing was that perhaps this this necessity was the mother of invention for Jackie Chan, mm. but just a limited amount of takes. So you you just had to get this right. Yeah, I, I would throw in other titles such as, you know, potentially the armour of God. Mm-hmm. This dude drives a little pickup through a shanty town down a hill. Oh, that's rad, isn't it? That's one of the best scenes. And genuinely doing it. And you only get one take to do that. Just does it. And that's it. But that says something about the whole Hong Kong um, film sort of industry as well, is that uh, most of the dudes had to be as versatile as Jackie or you didn't even get a look in. Correct. You had to be able to do half of it. Everyone's a stuntman and everyone's trying to be a stuntman. That's right. Like It's almost like free money. If you're willing to throw yourself down some stairs, it's like, there you go, there's your wave. So, okay, it's all I got to do. An intoxicating mixture of, I would say, sort of brutality with dance. You know, the other foot that these guys came from was Chinese opera school. So... On one hand, you could have some brutal stuff going down. You know, guys hyperextending their spines as they fall over mm-hmm. a table after cascading two stories down to these incredible dance-like choreography, you know, fight scenes. Yes. Then, of course, we shift and move ahead in time and we pick up a, a certain ind- individual called Jet Lee, and we start to mm-hmm. see the real elevation of the genre. It got to a point for me uh, where I think it kind of, potentially peaked around sort of 10 to 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And Donnie Yan has kind of inherited the mantle yes, with the Yip Man series. Look, fantastic. Like just just a rip-rollicking adventure. I have a plastic tub of original VHS Hong Kong movies, yes. my bro. And I've got to say, and I'll stop you know ranting momentarily, but it's one of the genres where I have never been I've never not been able to convert the most vehement naysayer. Mm. So when you get the people that are like, you know, it's just silly, it's just boring, you whack on Police Story or Rumble in the Bronx or the incredible initial fight scene in 
Once Upon a Time in China yes. with Iron Robe Yim. I've had so many people turn to me within 15 minutes and go, okay, this, this shit is off the chain. <laughs> yes, man. And that's the thing too, and we'll talk about it in a tick when we get to the trope section, but gee, some of these things, especially when um, John Woo started getting a hold of it and half oh. of the action tropes we now expect with, you know, gusts of wind blowing a trench coat and then the doves fly across and, oh. you know, guns akimbo, diving sideways, firing at the same time. Come on, man. This invented the action for us as we know exactly. it. Excitement, exactly. You know? And that that's... That's great. If we had to pick two exemplar directors from that era, it's Shui Hark and it's John Woo. Well said. 100%, dude. 100%. Um, well, let's cruise on now to the uh, another little thing. This is, um, this, is a, this is a new one. This is sort of, um, for me, and the idea is uh, it's the, the disaster genre. You know, I love this. Yes, man. The end of the world. We've got, the, or not the end of the world, just a, a disaster. And my example here is the Poseidon adventure in the, uh, in the early 70s. Fantastic. The capsized ship. Crazy. Survive. Crazy. Um, the day after tomorrow and Independence Day, um, 2012. Godzilla, you know, that might be even a disaster film as well. We could break that one down even further. But it's always the most dramatic thing happening. The mm. world is ending. You've got control rooms full of people not knowing what's happening. Yes. And one guy probably going to save the world, save America, which it's always, you know, the target's like, yeah, we're just going to, we're aliens, but we're going to blow up Washington again, you know. But that's the way it goes. And I must say, I saw a film, uh, what did I see? It was Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, the one with um, oh, yeah. uh, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. <laughs> And uh, Jamie Foxx. And this was not a flash sort of era for this. But I saw this when I was in New York, right? Yes. And I was in this downtown um, cinema, absolutely empty. It was 10 in the morning. I don't know why the hell I was there. But I was watching this film. No one else is in the cinema. And the big scene happens in Times Square where, it, you know, Jamie Foxx oh, wow. electro and zaps the whole place and all the lights shatter and all that stuff. Dude, I get why the thing is that shit was around the corner from yeah, me, you know, bro. like right where I was. I get it. I get it. There's nothing because I live in central Victoria, right? Uh, <laughs> not many disasters happen up here, man. So I don't have that point of reference, you know. <laughs> if only they'd destroy Melbourne or something in one of these. So at least the, the Aussies get like a little, ah, there we hey, go. Hey, I think you're segmenting some of our audience there, my friend, but uh, we'll do that. We can do what we like here. We're powerful. Here's a question. Would you throw Titanic in this category? I know a lot of people want to throw mm. it into romance and drama, but where would yeah, you? Would I don't you... know if that's an, that's not an action film, you know. That's where I think that leaves. I don't know if that even comes under the banner of action. So putting that in the subgenre of disaster. The reason I ask is I yeah. recently watched it, and I got to say it was more bearable and more better. Well, you saw it for the first time recently. No, I recently rewatched it. Thank you. Okay, I'm not that because I haven't seen it, bro. I haven't seen it. How about that? The bit you know? where it hits the iceberg. Well, I'll ask you this again once you've seen it. And this is the reason I'm posing this. The bit where it hits the iceberg is off the chain, to use that term for the second time. It's crackers. And it goes yeah, yeah, for yeah. longer than I realized. So that sort of leads me to that question of saying if something's got X amount of time, do you know what I mean? If the action mm. sequence goes for, say, more than 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, does yeah, it yeah. qualify? But um, Yeah, really good point. Off the chain. 
I'd, I'd love you to, I'd love, we just okay. need to talk about it. It's so, yeah, sure. I'm so well done. Very happy to. Well, the thing about it is it feels to me that no matter how long that sequence is, having that I haven't really seen it, I saw snippets on the TV and I've seen the guys fall and it's pretty exciting. However, when you look at that cover, you don't go, whoa, that's an action film. And I think of it from our old video shop guy points of view, where would you put Titanic on the shelf at the video shop? You're not putting it in action. You're probably not. You're probably putting it in drama. You know what I mean? Drama or romance, I think, traditionally. But um, I forgot, man. Billy Zane is firing off gats in it. Is he? Yes. I forgot. Oh, I do love Billy Zane. He's like... He did it for the Baldies for such a long time, man. Yeah. Such a Follically long time. challenged. Well, let's um, talk about Titanic again, I think. I'll give it a whirl and um, we'll get back to you, dear listeners, while we've still got a few sub-genres to get through. Go, son. Now, this is probably one of the largest one, too. We've got about two left. Um and it comprises a fair few. So we've got the war slash military, Whoa. which is, oh man, it's half the battle, right? Hey! <laughs> yeah, you see, I'm firing today. Wow. Again. So we've got Commando, Platoon, Hurt Locker, Black Hawk Down, Thin Red Line. You can name it. Things that are predominantly military. And I suppose, you know, there would, Rambo might probably sneak in there too, because that's how that works. Yeah. Um, so that really takes up a lot, doesn't it? You know, a lot of the action films really are guided towards the military because where are you going to get a lot of action? Well, guys have got guns. It's their yeah, job to shoot people. So we're going to follow them and see what happens. And that's um, that's a big genre, really. Yes. But not a huge amount to talk about necessarily because it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, if we look at a couple more here just before we um, get onto the tropes, man, we've got the Western, Unforgiven, Young Guns. That's action, you know. Some of the uh, westerns that we've experienced would also lend themselves to probably being drama as well, um, with a few really set action pieces in there. Which Spaghetti is great. westerns, my friend. You think about big time, you dude. Know, you think about yep. good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you know, Jesus, High Plains Drifter. There are some incredible, incredible westerns where. Quite possibly the environment and the scenery becomes just as much of a character as the actual guys, you know, jumping around on two legs, my bro. Yeah, well well identified, man. I agree. Very much so. Um, the gun-fu genre, mm. which is sort of... We were discussing this, whether we put this on here, but I wanted to discuss it anyway. Gun-fu. This is a man childy you know, classification, and I think it's bloody right. valid, but obviously I think it's that Thank bloody you. valid because... You and I invented it. Well, we didn't invent we did, it, but we're we? proposing it. Exactly. So what is comes under gun-foo for you? We just talked about John Woo quite a bit, and that's pretty gun-foo. Absolutely. For me, it's essentially a progression from the fight choreography of the Hong Kong action. So the swords, the spears, all that sort of stuff. I, I believe that there was an observable phenomenon when gun-foo came in. So it wasn't just dudes going down sights and crack, crack, crack. It wasn't Dirty Harry shooting guys in bottle shops. It was a choreographed scene which was, you know, approached in the same way as martial other martial arts choreography, my dude. And, yeah, John Woo, the killer, hard-boiled, being, mm-hmm. I, I believe, the progenitor of this genre. And moving mm. further today to John Wick just, progressing yes. it even yes, further yes, yes. and probably we've never seen it best but th- that's my proposition where do you sit with it no i love it john wick is the perfect example because i actually just watched all of them for the first yes, time yes you were late on those too yeah well in sequence like actually i'd seen bits in here and there and like yeah this is great 
but I watched them all and didn't realize it was like they all blend as soon as number one ends, number two starts, number two ends, number three starts. It's that sequential. It's like a nine-hour film. Yeah. And it's so good. And it's just ruthless in sort of close quarters pistol combat. Oh, it's so exciting. Absolutely. And there was a film I want to name. It's um, Equilibrium with Christian Bale. And I think Lucy Liu, actually, which is in the early 2000s, probably after The Matrix, Oh, and that was it too. That was close quarters and they called it, uh, oh, they had a martial art name for it and it was kind of like gun fu. It was very badass. Yeah. But that was one of the things, you know, close quarters pistol fighting and um, yeah, I think that's a stretch to call it its own genre perhaps. I think if we had another five more entries that we could um, put into it, we go, yeah, all right, man. Now we're cooking. Um, and at a stretch, we could. We're sort of suggesting that it's a point of interest. Yes. Perhaps it's an emergent property. But one thing I want to slightly geek out on is to heap praise on Keanu Reeves because one of the things that could be frustrating about some of the early Hong Kong action movies was the propensity to speed up the camera or effectively, you know, to film standard movement at a slower exposure speed. So obviously when you play it back, it's it's a quarter, you know, faster. Dude, none of that occurs with the production of all of the John Wicks. That is a man, Mm. you know, in his late 40s and then early 50s doing that at that speed. Yeah. Rocking that stuff, you know. Dude. (laughs) Yeah. He's a powerhouse. And he... Like, man, he looks like he hasn't aged, you know? It's in his eyes. It's, his face is pure. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I don't know how Keanu There's an it, absolute reverence for the use of guns, particularly in that movie. So, you know, you mm. would have noticed it. Like, you know, he's planning out his jobs and he's planting guns en route, on his escape route. So he's moving from obviously the very close quarter stuff to then the shotgun stuff to then the assault rifle. And... It is a pleasure just to watch him change and shift modalities. Mm. It's incredible, dude, to even watch that cat reload. He just yeah, it really slaps is, it and it? clacks it, dude. Like, that's a cat that's trained. Yep. Massive, massive yes, exactly. And I don't give a hell, goddamn hell, who you are. That takes practice and practice and practice, even as an actor, to get that correct. Oh, brother. And he is flawless. That's muscle memory, Exactly. Dude. There's some um, really cool clips on YouTube of him, you know, training with, like, elite trainers, uh, gun trainers and stuff. The, the cat mm. is for real, which just leads me to a small point. Sometimes I get really shirty when I watch action. And, you know, my wife or my friends will kind of go, what's, you know, oh, come on. And it's when I get the distinct sniff that the protagonist can't pop corn. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. when you're just watching a dude in an action role and you're like, dude, you couldn't protest your way out of a wet lunch bag. <laughs> yeah, Which is why I get so excited when you look at someone like Keanu because you're going, that dude can use weapons. <laughs> He's actually doing it. That's right. Anyway, I digress. But that's the only thing about this genre. If you give off that thing where you're not authentic or you can't pop corn, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, man. I I mean, I'm sad that that happens, but it does happen. I believe it really does. And that's where um, we're going to do a little action guy a little bit later. But Statham, man, can't bear the dude. I don't think he's very good. I reckon I could um, yell him <laughs> out of a bar. I don't. You, you yeah, know he's like, a, like you know he's like a really really well respected karate car. Like he's second or third dan is he? belt. Yeah, the dude can oh, go. Well, that shows how much I don't know eh, how much I care. That's the thing. I just don't want to be in the same room as him. And you know what? Probably won't be. And that's going to be okay. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Yeah. 
Jesus, the most woody, hopeless actor they could find, and they made a start. He's good in the early ones, though. Locks and stocks and barrels and that sort of stuff. He's good in those. Leave him there. Keep him as a you know English bobber boy. It's fantastic. He's fantastic in that. I give yeah. you that. Yeah, Hundy P. Yeah, same guy, same role, photocopied. He's worse than Seagal. Yeah, don't get me started. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we will get you started in a minute. We'll get there, man. Um, just a couple more quick honorary mentions before we get out of the subgenre Great. section, which has taken more time than I predicted. But that's all you right. Knew that was going to happen, bro. I actually prefaced it, didn't yeah. I? I said, this might take some time. All right, good. Um, well, we've got the heist slash siege oh, genre. And I think that's unto itself, which would be uh, Ocean's 11, 12, 13, etc. Thomas Crown Affair, um, Under Siege 1 and 2, and a great siege film that people forget is a siege film and a Christmas film is Die Hard. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. If we had more time, you know? I'd talk more about that. I'm curious... I'm ambivalent. I'm not sure how I feel about it sitting there, but it's it's not too painful as to continually banter on about it. You don't think it's a siege film? Um, I know it's I know it's a a siege and a heist film, but yeah, it's an interesting one. All right, all right. Well, that's split our room nicely. No, I wouldn't and I say like... it's split. I wouldn't say it's split. Now that, in fact, the more that you mention it and make that face, I go, yeah, no, he's right. Thank you. But, I mean, we can all agree it's a Christmas film. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it beats um, Jingle All The Way just, just a little the bit. The best. Uh, it really is, man. Um, and the final one probably, like, I'm dubious of this one as well, but I thought we'd mention it as well, is a vengeance slash revenge uh, film or genre where you've discussed um, nicely, which is Taken, um, John Wick as well, um, High Plains Drifter, Braveheart. That's almost like a sub-sub, isn't it? Like depending on the setting, what they're doing, what their motivation is. I had that idea that I said to you, this is more like a motivation that flows within many action films. Mm. It definitely could be its own genre. I'm not rejecting that. But there's an element of vengeance or revenge which kind of beats through many, if not all, action films to an extent, I would say. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Commando, that's a... Revenge film. He's trying to. Get, wow, is that a revenge film? He's trying to get his daughter back. She's been. Yeah, kidding. he's pissed off. So I suppose you know? so. That's yeah. He's he's going to take down the dudes that you know messed with his life. Absolutely. So there you go. Yep. I mean, most of these things really are if we really boil it down. So that might be a sub sub, and we can come back to that. Love it. A little bit more thought, perhaps. Um, well, we made it to the end of the uh, sub-genre, dude. So anyone out there who's been listening, if you've got another uh, sub-genre that you think is applicable that we uh, skipped over or maybe wanted to delve further into, uh, please let us know on the FBs. You can find us as the Manchilean candidate, easily for you. And um, hit us up and we'll uh, respond within 90 months. No doubt. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, man. That's how good we go. Um we're going to be talking now about the cliches, and in the film industry, we call those little cliches tropes, uh, little things that we expect. And um, we discussed earlier that some are required, some are not. But if some are missing, do we get as much joy out of these films? Well, shall we find out? Let's see some of the ones that we've got. We've got a couple of pages here, my bro, so I'm just going to fire them away, and let's get a, an example for each of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, number one. Yes, we've got our muscular, reluctant anti-hero. Mm. This guy is basically embodied as Schwarzenegger, the muscly dude who is our guy, who's our protector and slaughterer that we deem okay to do so. Yep. Love it. Move on. Now. Yep. 
Russian, Serbian, Arabic, or South American enemies. This is very much in the 80s, is it not? Like, yeah. There was always, whatever political conflict that the states were in at the time, who were making the films, these have got to be the bad guys. Like, and you can see how politics has changed. It was a time <laughs> when you could be both racist and reductive. Mm. Amazing. What an amazing time. And you could stereotype the hell out of anyone. Yep, you could. And then kill them and be fine with it, you know? Love it. Um, We've got bulletproof tables. John Woo really brought this in when a man flips over the table in a bar and somehow, somehow, the plywood of the table stops 50 caliber rounds. Yeah. Impossible, we know, but, you know, we kind of need it. Chow Yun Fat would be full of bullets at this point, would he? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Like, who made that table? <laughs> <laughs> it's not Ikea, man. I've got one of their tables. That would not stop a yeah. thing. Um, we've got diffusing a bomb with only seconds to go. Oh. You know, you can't get to the bomb and then, you know, diffuse it. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. We've got like half an hour before it explodes and we stopped it. It's like, that's not a yeah. film. It's got to be seconds. It's got to be counting down. You mentioned earlier too about um, what I love, the ongoing, um, the recurring theme of uh, Murtaugh and Riggs cutting the wires yes. in uh, Lethal Weapon. And they can't remember if it's the blue or the red yeah. wire. It's just the best, man. <laughs> love that. Um, the Invincible Hero, I put there as long, uh, you know, another slash next to the muscular hero. So... We see Arnie uh, mostly absorbing bullets. He gets shot. He sure does. But he doesn't seem phased. So he can just pop, 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 and off he goes, you know. Whereas uh, uh, an enemy, one of the enemies we're talking about, will get winged and he'll be out and down for the count completely. If I was to be ridiculously reductive, it just seems like the only one that can shoot is the hero in, in the 80s. So you've got one man literally taking on platoons. 100%. But unfortunately, it's the dudes that missed the marksmanship training or are incredibly pissed and just can't shoot straight. <laughs> yes. Commando being an excellent example of that. He's literally surrounded yeah. on all sides as he's blazing the uh, the M60. And uh, not one guy can shoot. And and if you really <laughs> watch it, right. and I know we shouldn't do this with, with action, we should always have our action hat on and suspend disbelief. But if you really watch it, there's guys, man, that are, I don't know, at best 20 metres away from him. <laughs> yeah, With dude. big fatty bombatty assault rifles and they can't, they can't hit. And you can actually see in the movie, he ain't moving. He's sitting there just <laughs> distributing. <laughs> yeah. He's just a lead yeah. dealer. It's bloody Rambo great. being another another example, you know, he pretty much runs, rides a horse straight at a Russian attack chopper and all of a sudden, you know, none of them can hit Jack. That's right. And it was an interesting thing because um, that's definitely devolved, as you, as you wrote beautifully in the notes there. And it kind of had to be almost. One of the reasons why I'm, one of my great gaming buddies doesn't really like the game Doom because he's, go, he's going, it's all just, you know, running in circles and shooting a lot and a lot and a lot. So some people like that sort of stuff. Others get a little bit bored of it. Uh, where, where do you sit with it nowadays? Oh, I love I know you it. Do. I love I it. That. That's, and as you said, you've got to put your action hat on. We're no, by no means looking at a, you know, necessarily a fine piece of literature here, but boy, am I having a good time. And that's what it's about, man, you know? Probably the best example would have to be, you know, would have to be Stormtroopers in Star Wars. Oh, and they pay homage to that in The Mandalorian too, don't they? Where the couple of troopers are up on the hill sort of like aiming at a thing and they go, all the time in the world, just can't hit this can. Cannot shoot. 
Oh, it's so good. Um, this is an interesting one. It's a little bit, I'm trying to work out which language to use to describe this one, but um, I'm going to call it unnecessary boobs. Um, I have something else written on the piece of paper at this point in time. Or thanks for the memories. Oh, that's nice. Let's go thanks for the memories. Yes. Or tanks for the memories. Yeah. This is action yes. film, right? So, and what I mean is in... A couple of films that I'm going to name, we've got Under Siege, Commando, Again, and Tango and Cash. Whenever there is something happening, like these, uh, the protagonist and his enemy are fighting, someone will get thrown through a wall or during a car chase, he'll bump into a parked car. And in that car, a couple being amorous and just out <laughs> of nowhere, there are boobs. And it has nothing to do with the film, but there are boobs in it. And all the 15-year-old boys in the 80s are like, Whee! We don't get to see these ever. You know, it was actually a real treat. It was a 15-year-old boy. But that's disappeared, man. We've become a different society now. You can't just have, you know, unnecessary boobs on every street They've corner. got to be necessary. That's Yes, that's what I'm about to say. The next step is the necessary ones. My thing too, just to add to that, my brother, is this was, this was an element of 80s horror movies as well. Yes, yes. Basically, if you were to fornicate in an 80s horror film, you're putting your hand up saying, please kill me first. 100%. 100%. (laughs) No one's guard is more down than those two in that uh, pool house. Seriously. Oh, boy. Nice big cliche, too, and this happens to a lot of our heroes, and I don't know why Commando seems to be a point of reference for this because it really has created or at least uh, made these tropes really sort of powerful is – getting called to arms or getting called out of retirement. Predator. This is the guy. Yeah, exactly. This guy, he's done. He's the killing machine of the decade and he's hung up his gun and he's living in the bush all by himself Mm -hmm. or with his family. And then all of a sudden he gets the calls like, John, we need you to save the world again. That's right. Or some such like that. And he's, I don't want to do it, Chief. It's like, no one else. There it is. He's off. He doesn't care. He's doing it, man. But he grumbles most of the time. The reluctant hero is a, is a massive trope, and I would posit that this is a hangover from the 80s or 90s, a, a, a dramatic justification for the horrors that are going to ensue. That's right. You know, hey, you know how he just pulled that dude's head off his spine? He didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, he was just, he had a little lake house. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He had a good life. It was a quiet. Right. fed deer on Saturday That's mornings. Right. Now look what you've made him do. It's your own fault, Bad yes. Guys. Um, a couple of little action-y ones more so than thematic would be, you know, repelling or leaping through a glass window without just bouncing off it. Now, yes. I don't know. I don't know how many people have tried to leap through a big plate glass window. That's also like if they're cracked or smashed, they actually fall like guillotine and sever you quite badly. <laughs> but no worries, man. We can fly through them with very little damage and we don't bounce off them. So, you know, thank goodness for all the weak windows in the 80s. I tell you, there'd be a lot of splattered heroes. I know, right? You'd, you'd think you'd get torn to shreds. But again, let's be careful about uh, removing our action hat. But I agree with you. that That's a trope that's it's it's often often there. And again, look, gee, we're going to just keep saying Die Hard, aren't we? But yeah. done wonderfully in Die Hard. And at least it didn't break the first time in Die Hard, G-Man. <laughs> That's right. And at least now there's some sort of level of realism too. Generally, if a guy's going to jump through a window now, they go pop, pop, put a few rounds in first, weaken it and jump. Yes. Yeah, problem solved. Love it. Let's, uh, you know, modern problems require modern solutions, people. That's what I've always said. Absolutely. Nothing says an action hero quite like an explosion that one has caused and not even bothering to look at it. Yeah. 
walking away from an explosion is, oh, come on, man. It's the most badass thing you can do, I think, isn't it? Especially if that's your explosion. Got to be done. Wow. Got to be done in slow-mo, my bro. Otherwise, it's my just bro. not legit. Yeah, I think Desperado with Antonio Banderas oh. is one of the finest examples of that. Bad Boys had a good one. Bad as well. Boys, yeah. 100%. I mean, the list goes on. It really does. Um, this one you mentioned as well, which I liked, was uh, violently, very, very violently, um, knocking out an enemy, probably, you know, pistol whip or a punch to the face, um, without killing Yeah, them. and then they're done. They're just, just they're unconscious yeah. for the rest of the movie. They're done. That's right. Yep. He doesn't wake up. He's just... Don't worry about that, dude. There's never a guy that gets cracked on the head and turns around and goes, ow, like, what did you do that mm. for? Like, that, I think he does that a little bit in um, Austin Powers. That actually happens, isn't it? Ow, that's, that really That's hurt. true. Yeah. And you know what I'm about to mention as an example that encapsulates the whole I don't think you can pop corn is the stupid little uh, trapezius muscle chops that bloody Roger Moore does in the Bond. He, <laughs> yeah. It's honestly like Mr. Yeah. Burns. Like, uh, excuse me, dang. what are you doing? I'm giving you the beating of your life. Look, if stop that. <laughs> and they just drop. It's yeah. like, dude, That's right. if Roger Moore did that to me, I'd be going, oh, yes, man, just a bit harder. Like, just you know, <laughs> can right. you do my lats as well. <laughs> That's right. Same series, bloody Piers Brosnan is in that barrel as well. It's like, come on, dude. Yeah, for karate chopping. Oh, for karate chopping and having zero capacity to popcorn. Yeah, no, he's a he's a smile machine. Very handsome. That's his function. That's right. That's his function can disarm a room though. You know, with just a smile. That's right. Um, it reminds me of you, actually. That's interesting, Ooh, isn't it? Thank you. I think. One of my most enjoyable things, though, is two, minute, two minutes of your time for an inspirational song to play as there's a training montage or a preparation montage. Exactly. I'm strapping my belts on, I'm putting my grenades there, I'm punching that stake, I'm running up the thing. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah. And look, a plot-moving device... There's some cinematic or some creative justification for this. We're trying to show the progression of time. We're trying to show the development of skill sets. But probably fair to say that it, it's been um, it's been abused somewhat. Oh yes. <laughs> um, probably one of my favourite standouts would be Rocky Four when uh, Balboa's in the snow, you know, literally up. Uh, elevated heights pushing these weird old Ukrainian carts around. Uh, love it, man. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And you know he's better and ready for the fight after doing it. Of course, There's my There's something bro. about it, isn't it? But it's always got to be, I don't even, it doesn't even matter what song it is. It's some inspiration, you know? I'm like, yeah, and the song, save the That's day. right. And the song has to have, like, really basic lyrics that that are basically just explaining for those that maybe don't have the visuals. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. They're just telling you what's happening. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Um, we saw this a lot of this in um, when we had, I don't know, less care about paying attention to detail, especially in the 80s, when both the protagonist and the enemies seem to have an unlimited supply of bullets in those magazines, and they're just firing indiscriminately. Yes. Yeah. How many is in that six-shooter? Okay. <laughs> that's right. He's killed a platoon, though. Okay. So, yeah, didn't reload once. But that's where uh, something like Dirty Harry comes in nicely. And his, uh, we're going to talk about one-liners in just a moment oh, as well. Yeah. Um, that's where Dirty Harry's famous um, 
do you feel lucky punk thing comes out. It's like he was actually counting the bullets and he's hoping that the other guy who he was battling was counting them yes. too. It's really good. I know what you're thinking, punk. You're thinking, did he fire six shots or only five? Now, to tell you the truth, I forgot myself and all this excitement. We're going to move right along here to shooting a car oh. and it exploding just out of nowhere. You know, you just you used to be able to shoot at the gas tank and cars would explode. But as far as I know, dude, that doesn't actually happen, does it? I mean, I haven't shot at a car in years, but I'm sure it didn't explode when I did that. So, And of course, it's reversed. So if the hero is driving a car, all of a sudden it's a vehicle reminiscent of something out of Mad Max. You know, it can just take yes, all yes. the hits. Your uh, Blues Brothers, uh, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> you know, even, even Dukes of Hazard back in the day, you can literally see the chassis snapping. <laughs> on the vehicle yeah. as it's landing, but no, off they go. This car is fine. Yeah. This we're car good, is fine, and I love it. Yep. Um, a nice little cliche, too, is when you're hanging from the edge of a cliff or, uh, you know, falling out of a skyscraper or something. And two things of note here is, um, you know, when everyone thinks the hero is dead, and they're like, oh, my God, and there's just a shot of the cliff, and then, you know, a, a pregnant pause of 10 seconds, and then, oh, an arm, and then another arm, and he's fine. Yes. Um, but also, when you're hanging on by one arm and holding your companion or whoever this is by one hand, oh, I don't know, man, you know a little bit more about, you know, the human body and strength oh, than I do, but is that possible? It's, it's tough. It's genuinely unlikely, I think. Like, uh, at, again, at the risk of the old action hat sliding off. And it's very, very difficult for me to this day to watch that opening scene in Cliffhanger where, you know, additionally hanging himself but holding another human being. It's like, oh, dude. No, seriously. And that's thank goodness for that. I mean, the show would be over super, super soon if that would go down. Totally. Like, if he held her and just went, oh, right, right, put it back on the rope, it'd be like, oh, well. Yeah, that's right. Geez. Uh, Thanks great. for coming. No challenge here. Not even a bit. Great cliff, guys. Um, recovering from an injury as well whilst oh, uh, yeah. cauterizing your own wound, you know, perhaps doing surgery on Self yourself. Self-surgery, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Even if it's as simple as, you know, picking the bullet out or not even picking it out, but smoking on a cigar and cauterizing a wound with your cigar. Or um, Ronan's got a great scene where De Niro does a, a whole surgery scene with a mirror and some whiskey and some pliers all by himself. Very cool scene. Yeah. But um, Stallone does a great yep. one using the gunpowder yep. is into the wound. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow. I mean, that's got to work though, doesn't it? I'm pretty sure that it actually works. I'm trying to do it with my kids instead of, you know, Band-Aids, but the wife won't let mm. me. Yeah, it's just... Days are young, man. The kids are young. So, you know, a couple of years, I think, you know. Just thinking of the environment, bro. My bro. Thank you, by the way. Thank you. Um, we're going to have sort of like, uh, this is a, a twofer as well. It comes under the guise. Uh, my example immediately will be Independence Day. When all hope is lost and blah, 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 and there's an inspirational speech and Bill Pullman, as the president, pulls out this. The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. And all of a sudden, there's a guy doing an aggressive salute and all this stuff, you know, this patriotism. Yeah. It's rad. It's rad. Everybody loves the pool, man. You got it, don't you? And, you know, his Schwartz is as big as mine, and this is what we know. Um, and then, of course, like uh, Apollo 13 and that sort of stuff will also have one where there's over-the-top reaction, joyous reaction when everything's fine from the control room and everyone's standing and hugging and clapping, you know. 
hell of a scene. I, and it just brings a smile to my little dial every day, man. I yes. love it. Yes. Um, Kate Capshaw sort of encapsulated this in Temple of Doom and our disdain for a lot of Americanisms out of the 80s with her saying some rubbish, she's getting kidnapped or something, you can't do this to me, I'm an American. Like this righteous justice that the Americans had in the 80s. My God, how insufferable was that? Thank goodness we're out of that. Now I'm going to do it twice as hard because you're American. Doesn't even matter how I'm going to do it either. Um, <laughs> classically from like Beverly Hills Cop or something, any cop show or military show as well, like uh, Top Gun, it's getting chewed out by the chief. Oh, yeah. You're getting told what for. You've done something right. You blew up the building, Kowalski. Oh, yeah. Give me your badge. I got the brass that so far up my ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's just great. And like the uh, the guy from um, Top Gun, what does he say? Like, you screw up just this much. You'll be flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. And then cue Kenny Loggins. And this ties nicely with uh, one of our final tropes here is that 80s saxophone. Oh. Yes, please. Oh. You know, the little the little rundown that they have when Murtaugh and Lethal Weapon says, I'm too old for this shit. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just Dude, great. that's yeah. the one thing about this, and I don't know if we've mentioned this in, in podcast discussion before, but... That's the thing that has not aged well about that movie. The saxophone in that movie is extreme, my brother. It's extreme, it's like, isn't it? It's like, Jesus, man. Yeah. It's almost as grating as, like, you know, the soul glow saxophone. It's like, oh, man. we. <laughs> but at least that only happens for 30 we seconds, don't, man. And not we don't, the main hook. We don't need it for every every everything <laughs> they're feeling. If I could just chuck in a couple, my friend, before we move oh, on. Oh, please. Yeah. I've got to mention the bad guy pointing out. Our methods have not differed as much as you pretend. So we're not so different after all. Hermano, you and me. You and me, we're not so different. You're an amazing creature, Spider-Man. You and I are not so different. Are we so different, you and I? We're not so very different, you and I. We're the same, you and me. We're the same, don't you see? Yes. My gosh, that's that's well used. And when done well, we love a dramatic parallel between the, the good and the evil, the light and the dark. I have that's to right. mention the doves, my friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Originally yeah. from Mr. Wu, another gift he's given us. That man gave us guns, toothpicks and doves. <laughs> that's an accolade. My friend, I've got to say, is one of the tropes that pisses me off. Pumping the round out of the shotgun. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, brother? So they've loaded yeah. up the shotgun. Are we ready to go? You didn't fire. You've just pumped a perfectly good shell out <laughs> of your shotgun. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that's a whole lot of thing. That's a lot of 80s stuff as well, man. It's just like, and I suppose it's due to interest in video games and all sorts of stuff over the course of our years. But knowing what a particular yes. gun sounds like. And how it fires, etc. And so when you see someone firing an MP5 in the 80s and it's making this really guttural sound, you're like, dude, that is so inaccurate right there. That is not the gun. That is not the sound of the gun. You know, when they just went, oh, we need a gun sound. This will do. Equally importantly, when you have the most bloated anabolic gun sound effects that you've ever heard, exemplars being Dirty Harry and the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies. Like, yeah. Those guns literally sound like the guns of Navarone. <laughs> and I, I love it's, it. Bro, I love it. They are meaty, aren't they? I mean, those, the bullets those guns are firing are like six feet Yeah, 100%. Long. Dude, it's 100%. amazing. I do approve. 
But yeah, and that's when we're letting our action hats just slide off a little bit into the realm of um, oh, disbelief, I suppose. And also, sorry, to finalise this one will be like um, the fake death of oh, uh, the adversary. Yes. You know, like uh, the blondie from um, from Die Hard. Yes. And, you know, he's dead and then he comes back and he's shooting and spraying all around. If you don't see the bad guy die in he a horrible dead. way, he's not dead. It's that simple. You give that guy the credit of viewing that dude's death. You know, uh-huh. So that's how you know if he's coming back or not, man. I want to see the signature from the coroner. Otherwise, I'm taking <laughs> my right. eyes off him, man. Yep. I want to see live feed of his body for the next 24 hours, please. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Now, look, man, are uh, the one-liners. Oh. The one-liners that your protagonist might say, and often even the antagonist might have a really cool one as well. Yes. But there's nothing quite like dispatching one of your foes and then telling them how you did it in a roundabout way. You know, it's really quite great. So what's Arnold Schwarzenegger's cash line, man? Look, it's got to be. I'll be back. Oh, big time. I mean, there's nothing quite else, is there? And John McClane's as easy, I think, and he's good. Yippee-ki-yay, mother Flipper. A nice little one that happened when uh, the president, who was played by uh, uh, Harrison yes. Ford, gets Gary Oldman off the plane. How does he tell him to get off the plane? What does he say? Get off my plane. <laughs> it's simple. He doesn't say, take the next left and go down. The-. He just, get off the plane. It's great. Yes. Um, and the Dirty Harry one we mentioned just earlier about how lucky do you feel, oh. punk, you know. Um, Will Smith. Punching a uh, an alien dead in the face after a dogfight <laughs> through the canyons in Nevada, and he says, "Welcome to Earth." Love it, love it. Uh, RoboCop, when he's uh, attending to uh, a crime, he says, "That are alive, you are coming with me." Has he got another one that I'm not thinking of? Um, Your move, creep. Oh, he's fantastic, yep. fantastic. Yep. Um, Pacino, probably one of the most one of the most recognised ones coming out of Scarface when he's got a head full of coke and he's got an enormous gun with an underslung grenade. We've all been there. Haven't we? Haven't we? Yeah, but we don't get out as easy as he did. Like, that was swift. Say hello to my little friend! That's so good. We just mentioned Lethal Weapon with Murtaugh saying... Um, I'm too old for this shit. Tom Cruise in uh, Top Gun yeah. with the cliched... I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow. Oh, okay. I thought you were... Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say the, the, the need for a really weird religion written by a crazy dude who lived on a ship. and That's fine. We'll yeah. move on. I digress. That's what he meant. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what he what meant. What are they? The Raelians? What are they? Yeah, it's exactly who they are. Yeah, they're all Raelians. <laughs> We've got... Bond. James Bond. Or... A martini, shaken, not stirred. I think a great one from one of the only female protagonists that we're mentioning today is is Ripley. Yes. She's in the exosuit. She's battling the alien queen. Yes. Get away from her, you bitch. It's a great man. And then on it goes, doesn't it? Like we've got... I ain't got time to bleed. Yeah. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah, you got... If it dies, it dies. <laughs> All this, it just goes on. I do love Roy Scheider's... Smile, you son of a... <laughs> yeah, perfect. Some of these are just immortal, my friend. Yes, they are, man. Oh, God, it was a good time. And they seem to have gone by the wayside too, by the way. And it feels like something that's oh, it's from the bygone era when it's not getting that sort of 
You know, why doesn't The Rock have something that he says in every film that we all wait for? It's like, yeah! Well, he did when he was, uh, you know, we could all smell what he was cooking in when he was well, in the yeah. WWE. But, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Bit of a shame, really. They have sort of disappeared, haven't they? And, yeah, who knows? Might be good, might be for the best. I'm not even sure. But I'm missing him is what I'm saying. Natural selection, you think? It could be Darwinian. Feel Younger like audiences be. are just watching that and going, why, why, why did he say that? That's so cringy. <laughs> why is he telling him what he did just after he did it? Yeah, exactly. Be quiet. Yeah. Now, look, we've discussed this in the past as well, which is interesting um, to us about, you know, the power of the villain and the power of the oh, antagonist. Yes. Uh, and the hero, whoever that might be, is not you know, a shade of the bad guy unless they are super, super bad. They've got to, there's got to be an equilibrium here. So the protagonist can only be as good as his antagonist. And we've mentioned Batman and the Joker, obviously being one of the ultimate, ultimates examples out there of um, villain versus hero. Absolutely. It's, It's critical, isn't it? Like you need this bad guy to be the worst dude of all. So you can't wait for him to be dispatched, man. Otherwise, what's the point? There's no real risk to your life or your family's life. There's absolutely no point at all. You need the immovable object to be as important as the immovable force. You need that play. Where would Skywalker be without Vader? Yeah, exactly. I find as, I, as I'm getting more chronologically advanced, Frodo, <laughs> I find for mine, I guess they're more notable by their absences. Yeah, without going on too much about my usual rants about the Star Wars universe and stuff. But this dynamic was lost going forward. And I think it's way more notable by its absence. You you lose that gravitas. Yes. Yeah, big time. Yeah, it's really baffling, isn't it? And the hero loses motivation, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you know, if it was a reluctant hero that we were talking about before... Well, he's that reluctant that he doesn't need to do what he's doing now if the guy isn't actually that bad, you know? Die Hard would not have been as good without Hans Gruber. No. It just no. it just simply wouldn't have. No. And if you think about even, you know, the Harry Potters and you need Voldemort, there's nothing else otherwise. You know, Harry yeah. can just hang out with Hermione and just go and do stupid magic stuff. Yeah, and drink butterbeer and it sounds damn delicious. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that idea. And it needs to be that, the, the weight of the, you know, the situation needs to be that, that it draws this reluctant guy out of there, as we just said, like, seriously. Um, one interesting thing of note, too, which, um, you know, when I was trying to understand how action is guided and geared, comes, it all, for me, it's been boiling down to the ratings and classifications, if you don't mind me going in this direction ever so quickly. <laughs> um, because I remember, like, as you do as well, many of us in the Manchildian listenership uh, would remember is when the MA15 Plus rating became a thing in film. Yes. Prior to that, there was uh, the, the cliches that we know, G to PG, M and R, and then there was the 18 plus, and then we're not even going to talk about that. But the massive difference between an M-rated film and an R-rated film is huge, or at least it was, you know, back in the day. And so my, once again, example is in the 80s, when Commando was released, it's an R-rated film. Absolutely worth it. An arm comes yep. off, a head gets yep. all this stuff. It's horrible. But now... It doesn't even scratch. It well, it scratches an MA, right? The ratings have changed. We've got this whole other bracket of violence that's possible, and you know <laughs> this this new rating has allowed this to happen. There's a mid range because M now is sort of for teenagers. It kind of is, you know. It's a little bit like a looser PG. There might be some cusses and some killing, but yeah. it's not as ferocious as what Commando is, you know. For yes. 
Yes. Um, which, which is really quite amazing. And the, the Terminator, the original Terminator, dude, that was R. Now it's... It's kind of M. There's actually not that much gruesome stuff that happens apart from the tone, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And the language, yeah. Well, that's exactly it, man. That's exactly it. But this is where I'm trying to get to, and this is the bothersome part for me about mm-hmm. the rating system on the planet and our society. So Go there, my dude. Go there. Depending on the rating, you can almost get away with anything violent. You can have evisceration. We've got sore. We've got all these other violent things where guts are coming out and hands are severed and then used to slap the faces and this horrible stuff, right? We've virtually got torture porn. Yeah, we do, man. Yeah, and you can witness. You can go out and wit- witness this now if you wanted to. But mm-hmm. what is the problem with society then that what will be banned or disallowed would be consensual sexual acts between two people that love each other. Mm-hmm. This is how the human beings came to be, my people. This should yeah. be celebrated. Yet this is how bent society is, that we're allowed to see uh, decapitations, but not acts of love. What the hell, P-Boss? Is this skewed or what? It's the same as like the Romans, right? We can see the gladiator fights and all that, but don't you dare talk about the orgies. <laughs> Crazy yep. thought, man. Reductive statement 27 slash A, man. Um, they want to show us the hate. They don't want to show us the love. <laughs> it's that simple, man. Like, seriously, if you're going to flip a coin and call it, that's it. My heckles come up. I don't even know what heckles are, by the way, or if humans have them. Dogs do. You got them on your neck. Yeah. <sighs> well, my dog's heckles are up on behalf of me without, <laughs> yeah. without my heckles. But yeah. if I had heckles, they'd be up. I don't like getting into this zone of censorship, of telling an adult messing with the sovereignty of my consciousness. Yes. Like, don't tell me what I can and can't watch. I get the whole idea of screening the children, and guess what? That's what I'll do. But as an adult, strange territory that we get into, and and I'm so glad you brought it up because I've observed that over the years myself, Mm. especially when the story or the plot really dictates and signifies that this is consensual Mm. love. Yeah, I don't know where we're at with that, man. It's it's no. pretty it's pretty crazy. And to be honest with you, it's possibly a development space for the whole genre. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned really well then about um, you know maybe get, getting this um, this product into the hands of children, right? But this is what the whole point of the rating system is. So that's why the R on the on the box is a scary black color. That's why MA is the color of red. That's why the, you know blood. That's why the rest of them are colorful and nice. This is signifying danger. This is signifying darkness. Like you know, that's what the ratings are for. And there's sort of something that I discovered in the, when I was at the video shop. I remember a couple of families, they'd come up with their children and here they were handing me a particular season of Family Guy or South Park. And I know it's for the kids and I've seen this and I know, man, this is an adult group that think that just because it's animated, it's for the children. This is adult animation at its finest and crudest and it's seriously not for children. This is, I couldn't, sort of implore parents to be a little bit more cautious and conscious of those ratings. <laughs> you know, they're there for a reason, my bro. Bro, bro, me and a buddy years ago went into a cinema, super stoked, to see the South Park movie. And this is a true story. And I'll never forget the moment when a, what I would estimate to be about a 10 or 11-year-old birthday party crew comes oh. in. With the parents, with the couple of the guardian, the parents. So it's clearly a birthday crew. In they walk. They all sit down. And it was just like, oh boy, 
Here's a car wreck I can't look away from. <laughs> oh, God. And I don't know how well you recall that movie, but mm. my bro, bro, these kids, these kids <laughs> were, were pulled out of these seats and ushered out because about five minutes in, you get the whole uncle <laughs> sequence. It is seriously five minutes in and that just really goes, hey, this is what we're doing. Boom. Yeah. It's insane. Yep. Yeah. And I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so God. That just came to mind for me then and it just couldn't illustrate your point exactly. so well. Exactly. Um, and I remember one of the guardian figures shaking their head and sort of talking to the other one as they were running out going, but it's animated. <laughs> That's right, yeah. This is not Bambi, dude. You know? I hope you didn't buy tickets to Fritz the Cat. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's a goodie too. Oh, my God. But this sort of lends it, and you said just now earlier, like the whole mission statement as well of the, uh, the Office of Film and Literature Classification is not to dictate what grown humans can and want to see. However, they do. That's something they do. The intent, I guess, is to tell us what's on the bottle yep. so we can decide when, whether or not we take it off the shelf. But uh, yep. it's gotten blurry, my friend. It really has. And sometimes there are moments, and um, I'm not going to go into this too much, but this might lead very nicely into another show one time, is um, the banning. And Australia has classically oh, the harshest and strictest classification measures for video games on the planet. It's Australia. And it's a, it has been or was a, a particular MP from um, South Australia who's a real red-hot anti-game dude. Um, and he was orchestral in a bunch of games getting banned in Australia. And my one example here that I'll pull out, because I could whip out a couple, is Fallout 3. This is one of our beloved. This is Bethesda at its finest, bringing Fallout 3 into a 3D realm. I know. Ooh, and... I don't know if we all know this, but it was in fact banned for a little bit because of one piece of content. And one of the items that you can use that sorts one of your conditions out in this game is, was called morphine. Mm. And you inject morphine and it stops something very particular. Um, mm. And it got banned because of this. And so they had to change it. The actual code of the game for the world, because Australia didn't like it, they had to change it to a, f a fictional drug called Medex, which you still yeah. take to solve the problem. It was that real-world connotation of a, an actual drug, I think, was the real problem there. But um, that was before an R rating. This was still coming out at MA. So this is the real problem that I have with it, is the fact that... Games are slightly reducing their, you know, adult content for Australia um, so they can reduce the um, severity of the classification. But it's actually allowing that ultra harsh content going into a lower bracket and parents going, oh, that's not R, ah, that's probably okay. No, it's not. It's actually worse. So, it's you, a purpose. you know, we do have that R rating now, thank God, but... Gee, man, for you know, fifteen years of our gamership, we didn't, and we were really, really sort of chastised for it across the globe, you know. Yeah, we were the fun police for a while there, weren't we, man? Yep. We have actually spoken about this in an episode before, but yeah, I, I experienced that directly, and and from back in the day, man, there was a, I don't know if you remember all the furor that a, that a Rockstar game called Manhunt oh, yeah. triggered. I remember this. Um, and I went out, and I I could see the writing on the wall, my brother. I went out and I bought that sucker the very next day, and sure enough, it was pulled off shelves not not long after. Yep. And the other one for me, and this feels semi-recent was uh my wonderful game developers valve left for dead it mm. was one of the left for deads either one or two and um the re the games that were predominantly re released in australia had no gore literally had no gore 
and I've still got my game that I ordered from the States. Me and a buddy, we both ordered our Left for Dead from America. So we got the NTSC version, nice. got the chip put in the bloody console yes. back in the day to play it. <laughs> Dude, what is a zombie movie without gore? Like yeah. it's it's just crack it. Oh, exactly. And it completely resonates with me that it's just absolute malarkey that the very thing they're trying to do, they've turned the orange juice into cordial. They've lowered the bar so the kids are going to see yeah. worse. Oh, yeah, God. exactly. And that's that's the big problem. So, you know, I'm, I'm a herald for that R rating for this because, in fact, the whole point is that the majority of gamers... Um, Dude, we're 35 is the mean age of a video gamer at this point in time. And that spectrum is 10 years either side easily. So we also, and this is why cartoons have evolved in such a fashion too, man. I mean, gee, Family Guy is a natural progression of The Simpsons, which stayed at a PG level. Rick and Morty is the natural progression of Family Guy, which elevates it to pretty much an R. And so we, as the consumer of this pop culture, are ready. We're the adults now, man. So this, what is called like a child, childlike medium, I suppose, as in video games and cartoons, well, it's not anymore. It's the realm of grownups, man. Well, around children like we are, man. Like, I nearly yeah. called us grownups there for a second. Can you believe and it? And my last cynical thought, and this is very cynical, but I wonder if there's a financial mandate by the studios, our favorite people in the world, G-Man, mm. the studio execs to say, well, don't put an R on it because that means there'll be less bums on seats in the cinema. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a big thing getting an R rating, I think, man. You know, you're definitely choosing an audience there. But when it's done well, my friend, we, we get we get things like Deadpool. Yes. You know? Yes, so. exactly. Exactly. Very good point, man. Yeah. Well, look, man, I reckon we're pretty damn close to the crazy bus. Thanks for coming on this um sort of hear little, that, man. little classification journey as well. and But I, I, we'd be remiss in not, you know, sort of uh, maybe suggesting um, a director, a film, and perhaps an action star or a character that right. are our takeaways from this action genre, which we seem to be able to talk about ad infinitum. So I'd pose this to you. What sort of um, – who's your director of choice when it comes to action, do you reckon? Oh, you know me. It's predictable. It's going to be a battle between someone like a Spielberg and maybe a Sway Hark. Yep. Lovely. Lovely. Yourself? Well, I reckon when I'm looking at my favourite action films of all time, uh, the main denominators here would be a Spielberg again, but probably Cameron, I'd say, man. Great. Um, yeah, Great. James has got a flair that I just dig his pacing. I hear that. Um so, like, what about an action star? Who's the guy that you gravitate to? Who you will see this film based on him being in it? Or her, mind you. Yeah, that's a tricky one, my friend. That is genuinely a tricky one. If I can, if I can have two... Yeah, go on. This is our show. There's two available. You know, for me, definitely over time, it's been Jackie Chan. Mm. But in terms of modern days, it's probably someone like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Like, he's John Wicks and he's 47 Ronan. And there was that other martial arts one that he did with Tiger Chen. Like, I just think the dude can't do any wrong. Yeah, love it. What about yourself, if, if you had to take two? Yeah, well, I think Keanu's up there, man. In all honesty, after John Wicky and sort of activities of mine. Um, and this is uh, my second one is probably like an honorable mention more. Uh, because he was number one for so very long. He is what an action star is for me in the 80s and 90s. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, you're going to get uh, yes. tongue-in-cheek. You're going to get this robust European-accented brute 
taking taking pain and giving pain. And I just yes. love it, man. I love it. And so what about what's an action film for you? What is mm, what do you define? What do you take away? Like this is like any action film that you bloody like. What's numero Again, uno? my friend, if I could have two. All right, man. My two exemplar would be Once Upon a Time in China Mm-mm. and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, I love that. This is where we're going to cross swords again, which is quite Ooh. quite nice, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is Ooh. the middle of winter. Um, yeah, Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark, easily, dude. Like, it's yes. just got it all. We've talked about this in the Ark episode, and you can go and check that yeah, out yeah. Um, at another time, our dear listeners. But I think for me, my favourite action film of all time, hands down, pacing, blah, 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 Terminator 2, man. Oh, uh, it's got the time travel. That's got the fear. It takes itself seriously, but it's got this vibe, of man. Of course. It's a very serious film. And we've talked about it in um, Can I Have My Franchise Back too? one of our other episodes, is how it yep. fell very far from the point of Terminator 2 in subsequent uh, sequels. They sucked. So Let's not get you started. No, don't get me started. But that, having said that, I think that's why maybe it sits there as even more of a shiny diamond for me, man, yeah. because it was the last good one, <laughs> you know, and that was 91, I think, dude. Seriously, we've got yeah. some time. It's, Jesus, man, that's 30 years. 30. <laughs> oh. Now, can I pick two female actresses? Yeah, I'd like to heroes, as well, please. Yes, yes. And then I'll give you two. Yeah. I think for me, it's probably going to be Ellen Ripley, mm. a.k.a. What's her name? I nearly said Whitney Houston. <laughs> Sigourney <laughs> Weaver will do just fine. <laughs> for me, my friend, it's got to be Sigourney Weaver. Mm. I just, I think that was a, a breakout, breakthrough role. Mm. And probably Maggie Chung. Amazing, dude. Yeah, fantastic. Yourself? Well, I just love... Um I love Mila Jovovich, man. I think she's great. I've dropped the I know ball that, a bit but, with. Uh, who are you going to pick? Lilu, <laughs> dude. <laughs> she in the Fifth <laughs> Element, Luc Besson's Fifth Element as Lilu. No cooler action girl on the face of the planet, man. At yeah. all, hands yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and probably a more modern shout out would be, um, I reckon, Charlize Theron um, as Furiosa. As Furiosa in Mad Max. Oh, how fantastic is this okay. performance from this woman? Okay. You know, not as iconic perhaps, but... There probably has to be honourable mention. Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow yes. portrayal was rad for me. Yep. Linda Hamilton, my friend. Mm. I mean, there's there's another one that sort of projected strength and power in such a way early. She's a good example, if you don't mind me cutting you off quickly, because between Terminator 1... She was the the victim and she was all really dainty. And, oh, what's happening to me? Terminator 2, my goodness me. She is all lean muscle and ready to kill. And that is so impressive, dude. Yeah, Sarah Connor. Goes from being the prey to the predator. Yeah. An honourable mention for mine, brother, has to go to Uma Thurman. She she absolutely killed that role of the bride oh. for mine. So there it is. Yeah. There yeah. it is. And probably my little final tidbit might be Lucy Liu because she's always powerful in whatever she does and we don't see her anymore you know probably not the best uh description to use when we're doing female characters there my final little tidbit but I, I, that's fine. <laughs> it's not it's t it's tidbit oh my god we gotta talk about <laughs> we gotta talk about vernacular man damn 
Well, this is going to be a long, long production meeting next week, man. I tell you what. It's going to be I a disciplinary it. meeting. I know it, it is, really and I'm is. not coming. And we've got to have those little, I'm going to have this little zapper that whenever you say a cuss word, oh, shit, sorry. Oh, damn. It'll be like that scene in Blues Brothers. Yes. <laughs> I don't think Frank Zappa can help me. He can in more ways than you know, my bro. He can. My friend, it's it's gone to water. Take us out of here. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, it's going to plummet and drown in a second. It's been an absolute pleasure today, P-Boss, discussing the anatomy of action films in a man-childier yes, lens today. Thanks very much for being here, uh, my bro. Uh, have you got a takeaway for the show? Are you just happy that it's over? I'm looking forward to hearing some interaction. Yep. We, as we are scrying out of whatever portal into people's ears, there's no doubt a couple slamming fists into tables going, but you've forgotten this and you've... Let us know because uh, there's a, so many things, be it a trope, be it an actor, uh, be it a director. But, man, I love talking about this. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised we've done this in under three hours. Is it under three hours? Oh, my God. I don't know. I haven't even stood up. This amount of, that's unbelievable. Well, look, I can't feel my legs. What legs? I know. Man. <laughs> and on that note, it's been an absolute treat. Thanks very much for having us uh, in your ears or your home or your car or wherever you are. Uh, we'll be right here and we'll be back very soon with another ep of The Man Charlie and Candidate. Until then, keep it real, my homies, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Toodles. 